Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Have a seat today and go with me to Acts, the third chapter. We started a series a couple weeks ago called The Story of Us, talking about the stories in the book of Acts. Many times when we preach on a Sunday morning like this, we go line upon line, precept upon precept through one of the letters in the New Testament. But I believe that God is doing a new thing on the earth, and with that, it's good for us to be able to look back and see what God did with the early church and get into the stories because I believe that they're more than just stories. They're pictures of what God wants to do in our time, in our land. And specifically, the title of today's message is Staying on Mission. Staying on Mission. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse number 1. Take a look at it with me together. It says, Now Peter and John went up together. Everybody say together. Online, if you're watching, why don't you type into the comments section the word together. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That was about three o'clock in the afternoon. So here they are, Peter and John together. These are two of the leaders, but really they're Christians, and they're in unity. These guys that used to be in disunity, these guys that used to fight over who was the greatest amongst the disciples of Jesus— these two guys that were, were rough and tumbled guys, you know, that, that didn't really get what was going on and that wanted to call down fire out of heaven on the Samaritans when they didn't let Jesus in. Now, here they are, these guys that, that had ran, you know, strike the, strike the shepherd and the sheep were scattered. Peter, who had denied Jesus. Now, these guys are together, and they're found on their way of duty, going to the temple at the hour of prayer. Verse number two, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb. That means he was born with a problem. He couldn't walk. His feet didn't have the ability to carry him. He could not move around on his own. Lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they. Everybody say they. Maybe you want to type in the comments right now, they. They. You ever notice that there's always a they? Well, they said. Well, who's they, right? Okay, sorry, random little floaty thought. Let's get back to the word, right? Whom they, whoever they is, laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Now, you guys have probably seen someone like this. Maybe you saw them today as you got off the freeway with a cardboard sign asking for alms. Maybe as you walk into your favorite grocery store, there they are waiting, looking around, looking to see who they can get a handout from. This man was late at the temple at the gate called Beautiful. It was the hour of prayer. There would have been thousands of Jewish people walking through those gates going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And this man was laid at that gate because there was an opportunity for him to get what he needed. He needed resources. He needed help. Verse number three, who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Now, this man would have known who would potentially have given money or not given money. I mean, these guys, they, they study people while they're sitting there, and they would have known if there was an eye diverting away, if there was a, a, a walk in the gate where they, they, they were walking a certain way, and they saw him, and suddenly they turned and went the other way to go on to the other side of the gate there. He would have known that seeing Peter and John, that these men had something going on in their lives, that maybe potentially they would give him something. Might have been the first time he'd seen him. Might have been several times he'd seen him over several days. And maybe they had given him something before. And so he saw them, recognized them, and put his hand out and asked them for alms. I remember when Pastor David Archibek was here at the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. He now uh, serves in ministry at the Rock Church of Temecula, leading worship down there. But Pastor David, when he came uh, early on when he was here, we struck up a friendship. Still are friends to this day. He's a wonderful man of God, and I love him and his family dearly. 
But at this time, we started to go to lunch and just kind of get to know each other and that sort of a thing. And so one day, we took his car and we went over to one of the local restaurants here and sat down, had a lunch, and got into the car, and we're getting ready to come back here to the rock, and a man comes running up to the window waving his arms. He's just waving frantically. And, and so Pastor David rolls down the window and looks at the man, and the guy says, I am not a bum. And he proceeds to tell this story, and it just went on and on and on and on. It was epic. It was amazing. It was shocking. It was saddening. It had its ups. It had its downs. We laughed. We cried. And at the end of it all, Pastor David Archibald, with his big heart, I mean, this man is just such a spiritual man. We, we used to go trying to find Pastor David. We'd go into his office and be looking around, where's Pastor David at? And we'd hear something under his desk. The man is prostrate on his face, crying out to God underneath his desk. I mean, this guy is so spiritual. We'd look at him and be like, man, am I even saved? You know? And with this big heart, this spiritual man pulls out his wallet. I'm going, oh, no, don't do it. You know, this little guy from Reno Valley who's a little bit jaded from, you know, a lot of exposure and experiences, right? says, oh, man, he's, he's giving you a line, man. That didn't happen to him. He never climbed the Swiss Alps, man. He's not, he's not stranded. I've seen this guy before, you know. But Pastor David had such a big heart. He reaches in, digs deep, gets all the cash in his wallet. I'm going, don't do it. And he hands the man the money and prays with him. Tells him, I hope that everything turns around for you. God bless you, brother. And I says, thank you. God bless you. Walks off. A week or two later, we go out to the same restaurant, have lunch again, getting back into Pastor David's car. And as we're getting ready to go out, the same man comes running up, waving his arms frantically. And I say, hey, look who it is, you know. Pastor David rolls down the window, and the guy says, I am not a bum. And starts into the same story. And Pastor David gets so incensed. I mean, he is so angry. He realizes he's been sold a bill of goods, and so he starts to get out of the car, and I'm just like, dude, do not do this. We are in San Bernardino, Pastor. Come on, stay in the car, man. And he gets out, and he tells him, you told us that same story last time we were together, and you're still here. I gave you a lot of money. You should be out of here. You should be where your family is, where you can be okay and taken care of. And he was just angry. See, I don't know how many times Peter and John had passed by this man. I don't know if this man had a story. I don't know if this man had done anything other than put out his hand and just asked for alms from Peter and John. But it goes on in the story, and it says this. Look at this in verse number 4. And fixing his eyes on him with John. Notice that Peter didn't do this by himself. They were together. They were in unity. They were on mission, and they were headed to the temple at the hour of prayer, but there was a, an opportunity that arose. God presented them with something, a little distraction, a little interruption, but when God interrupts your life, God has a purpose and a plan for it. And so with John fixing their eyes on him, look at what happens. Peter said, look at us. It's kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? Look at us. Wasn't the man asking them for alms? Don't you think he would already be looking at them? But probably with the hundreds of people passing by at that moment, he had one hand out to them, and he was looking around to see if there was some more money walking by over here in this opportunity. So Peter says, listen, if you're going to be distracted, I can't get a hold of you right now. i got to get something to you I believe God wants to do, but I need you to give me your attention. I need you to look at us. Verse number five, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. He was probably expecting money, a coin, silver, gold, might have been expecting a handout, maybe a piece of clothing or some food. 
expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Verse number 7, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Don't you just love Dr. Luke that's writing this account in the book of Acts, right? He just can't leave it alone like the guy got healed and stood up. No, his feet and his ankle bones. He, he actually writes in their medical terms of what is taking place at that time so that everybody knows what's really happening, that this man who was lame from his mother's womb could never walk in his entire life, had a physical manifestation of healing. God did more than a surgery. He did more than a replacement. God healed this man's feet and his ankles, and he received strength at that moment. Verse number eight, so he, the lame man, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God as he should be, right? My goodness, he just got a, a miracle. Verse number nine, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse 10, then they, there they are, right? The they, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It's shortly after this that Peter notices that the people are gathering around Solomon's portico there outside the temple. And he preaches his second sermon that we find in the book of Acts. He starts to declare to them what had taken place, how they had crucified the king of glory. But if they will repent of their sin, that they will receive the Holy Spirit in those times of refreshing. Just like he spoke to them in Acts chapter number 2. But see, this man had an expectation when he looked at them, money. But he got something far greater from the church, from the Christians. Can I say this to you guys today? You cannot give what you do not have. Peter told the man very plainly, silver and gold we do not have. I can't give you what I don't have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want you to rise up and walk. He gave of what his own resource was. We cannot always meet people at the level of their expectations. Right now, there's a lot of eyes on the church. A lot of people looking at us, expecting to receive something from us. But guys, we cannot give what we do not have. I don't have the words. I don't have the resources. I, I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the strength to change what's going on in our land at this time. But what I do have, that's what I can give in the authority and the power of the name of Jesus Christ. I will give what I do have. You can't give what you do not have. And we cannot meet people at the level of their expectations. Notice that Peter grabbed a hold of him. He didn't get down on his left. No, he got a hold of him and he lifted him up. See, John Lydgate said this, and, and Abraham Lincoln made it famous later on. He said, you can please some of the people all the time. You can please all the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all of the time. Come on, does anybody know that to be true in their own life, right? You can please some of the people some of the time. You can please all the people some of the time, but you cannot please all of the people all of the time. We are not here, church, to be man-pleasers. We're not here to get involved in what the world is doing in their mission and in their mandate. We have a mission and a mandate from Almighty God to us. Jesus Christ gave us the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. We've got a mandate from Almighty God of what we're supposed to be doing. But did you know we also have a mission? 
There was a great commission that Jesus Christ gave the church right before he was heading up into heaven. And he said, I want you to go, ye therefore, into all the earth. And I want you to baptize those people that you're making disciples of in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them all things that I've commanded you. What is he saying? He's saying, church, you have a mission. And I want you to stay on mission. Don't get distracted with side things. We can't give the world what they want. They want us to march. They want us to sign a petition. They want us to say something. They want us to do something. But we can't give them what they want. We can only give what we have, and we can only give, listen to this, listen, don't miss this, we can only give what they really need. And when the church gets off mission, it becomes a mess. When we get sidetracked and distracted with Things when we get diluted, detoured, and delayed, it gets messy. It's not what Jesus Christ meant for his church to be doing. We have a mission and we have a mandate from God, and we need to stay on mission. The devil would love to divide us over things that we shouldn't be involved in. And there's a whole lot of good causes and worthwhile things that we could be doing. Remember, they laid him at the gate called beautiful, they did what they could do. And it was good. I'm not downplaying that. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have been doing that. What I am saying is that the church has a mission from God. And we cannot give what we do not have, but what we do have. In the name of Jesus, we will give. We can't get distracted from the mission and mandate of God. Otherwise, we will never fulfill the great commission of God in our lives. So we need to stay on mission. And when we stay on mission, some things happen. This is vitally important to your life. Because otherwise, you will find yourself getting detoured into things that you shouldn't be doing. Find yourself finding delays. God, why aren't you moving on this? Well, maybe it's because we're involved in things that we shouldn't be involved in. And if you've been wondering, God, why aren't you showing up? God, why aren't you doing something? Could it be that it's because the church is getting involved in the wrong things and we need to get back on mission? Because when we stay on mission, some things happen. And today, I'm going to give you these things and I want you to put them into practice in your life. And as we do, we're going to see some amazing things take place in our hearts, in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our state, in our nation, and in our world. Can anybody say amen to that? So what happens when we stay on mission? First thing is this. When we stay on mission, miracles happen. Oh, my goodness. See, they were on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. They were on mission. They were connecting with God at the time that they should be connecting with God. And because of that, God met them with an opportunity, and a miracle took place. And while Peter's preaching in Acts chapter number 3, verse number 16, look at it with me. It says, and his name. Notice the capital H in his. It's talking about Jesus. Through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. See, they were on mission. And it was only a matter of faith that they could believe God, that there was a gift of healing, a, a miracle that was taking place. And now all of a sudden there was a gift of faith that was on their lives that they could say, rise up and walk. And this man was healed. All of these things working together as the church worked together. Not just Peter's faith, but John was there right there with them. Together. They were in unity. They were in oneness. And when we're on mission, when we're walking together, now all of a sudden when we start to declare the word and the counsel of God, the Bible says that Jesus will confirm his word with miracles, signs, and wonders. You know, I heard a song recently. I watched this show 
about uh, young aspiring songwriters that come and they bring their songs to these producers and the producers have one artist that they want to be able to write a song for. And so they have kind of a little competition between the songwriters and they bring their best song and then uh, somebody gets voted off and eventually they, they work with the producers. Three of these guys work with the three producers and they bring back the song better than it was before. Sometimes they wreck it, but most of the time, man, it comes back and it's pretty awesome. And I love it because I love music and I love the musical genius of these producers and I love to see what they're going to do and how they're going to change it up and what they add to it and that sort of a thing. And, and on one of the recent shows, they were writing for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Good luck with that one now, right? And so here they are writing these songs, and so it had to be, you know, one of those songs for athletes, get them pumped up, you know, that sort of a thing. It had to be one of those world songs. And so this guy, this young guy brought a song, he's from California, brought a song about the fact that I don't need a miracle, that I can do this on my own, I can make something happen. And they actually took his song and they merged it with a, a, another young songwriter's song where it said, I was baptized in dirt. And kind of like this grit, this, this willpower, this self-made man or woman that I'm going to do this because I don't need a miracle. I've got this on my own. And I thought, how foolish. Because you know what? It's not the arm of man. It's not the strength of man. It's not the wisdom of man that's going to get us out of the mess that we're in as a nation and as a society. Obviously, education. Obviously, the, the things that we've done in the natural. I mean, go sign another petition and see what happens. Right? I've signed petitions, and they still signed it into law, even though I signed a petition. again, And even though it was more people signing than, than, than should have been, they still went ahead and overwrote that and signed it into law. Go ahead and look. See if the arm of the flesh will work. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people who have built things. We've seen empires made by the arm of the flesh. We've seen businesses being built. We've seen people prosper, that sort of a thing. You can do some things in the natural. But if you want the supernatural, it's not going to be because you pulled up your bootstraps and put in blood, sweat, and tears. It's going to be by faith that comes in the word and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that will make the supernatural things take place. We don't need a baptism in dirt. We need a baptism in the fire of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of God on his church to cause the supernatural to happen. We need the miracle-working power of God. It's going to take a miracle to turn things around. It's going to take a miracle, and miracles happen when we preach the gospel and stay on mission, church. What else happens when we stay on mission? Second thing for us today is this. Not only do miracles happen, second thing is this. When we stay on mission, God gets the glory. Now, last week I had a joke about a Christian dog. This week I got a joke about a Christian horse. Man went down. He's going to go buy a horse. So we went down, found a guy that was selling horses. And so he went to the ranch and asked the guy about the horses that he had. And he said, well, you know, I, I, I seem to sense something about you. Are you a believer? And the guy said, yeah, I'm a believer. He said, I think I've got the perfect horse for you. He says, really? Yeah. He says, I've got a Christian horse. The guy says, that's amazing. Let's go see it. And so they go down and they take a look at this horse. And he says, all right, now I'm going to let you get on this horse. I want you to saddle up. I want you to get on this horse. And I, I want you, whenever you want to go, just say glory to God. And the horse will start walking. And the louder and more passionate you say it, the faster this horse is going to run. And he says, well, what if I want to stop? He says, oh, that's easy. Just say amen. And the horse will stop. The guy says, all right, we'll try it out. Check it out. So he mounts the horse, gets on, and he says, glory to God. The horse starts to walk. He gets excited, gets, says a little bit louder, glory to God. Horse starts to trot. 
Now, all of a sudden, he's really passionate. He says, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. And the horse is just running, just takes off faster and faster and faster every time he says it. Well, he's so caught up in this that he doesn't realize that there's a cliff coming up. And when he notices it, he goes, oh, no, what am I supposed to say? And so he shouts, amen. And the horse comes to a screeching halt right to the edge of the cliff. Man wipes his brow with his hat off and goes, whoo, glory to God. For some of you guys that aren't laughing, ask your neighbor. But when we stay on mission, did you know that God gets the glory? It's not a man. No man shall glory in God's presence. God will not share his glory with another. And God is saying that, church, you need to stay on mission because I get the glory. Acts chapter 3, look at verse number 12. So when Peter saw it, what did he see? He saw this crowd of people gathering together, and it was like all the rubberneckers on the 10 freeway. Anybody drive by that building that burned down? And there's all this traffic. Why? Because everybody's just gawking and saying, oh, my goodness, look at that building burnt down. And in the same way, here's the lame man that's been lame from his mother's womb, never walked before in his life, and now here he is leaping, jumping, walking, standing, doing things that he could never do before. There was a miracle that took place, and they're going, oh my goodness, look at that. We used to carry that man to the gate. Now he's carrying around his bed. Now he's running around. Now he's leaping and praising God. So when Peter saw the people gathered together, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. Notice what he says, by our own power or godliness. Now, we already discussed that, you know, a lot of times we think, well, they're a better Christian than I am. I'm going to ask them to pray. You know, I'm going to get one of the pastors to pray for me because they're the powerhouses, right? But it's not about the power of man or our own godliness. Oftentimes we count ourselves out and we disqualify ourselves. Why? Because we think that because we messed up, we said the wrong thing. I cussed last week, and so I guess I can't, you know, really pray and get anything done with God now because I messed up. No, repent of your sin, turn to God, come back to Him, and realize that it's not your power, it's not the power of man, it's not your godliness, it's not because the pastors are so holy, let them go and pray for you. No, it's not our own power, it's not our own godliness. And remember, He's speaking to Jewish people. They've had this ingrained in them that if you will follow the laws, if you will follow the customs, that if you will follow the traditions of the fathers, those things that were passed down to them, that you will get in with God. But here Peter blasts that out of the way and says, no, it's not our own power. It's not our own godliness that we had made this man to walk. It was the power of God and the holiness of God that caused a miracle to take place. And now that's why this man has perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Wow. Now, I, I see my friend over here, Dr. V. Dr. V uh, worked in an ER, right? She was in an ER, and so oftentimes she probably had to do some surgeries. You had to do some surgeries. Dr. V used a scalpel and cut into people and get things out of them at times, right? So, yeah, she's shaking her head yes. Dr. V, what if you worked on somebody, worked hours on somebody, right, using your scalpel, cutting out the things that were harming them, right, getting in there, and then you sewed them all up good and nice, and they, they went into their room, and you went to check on them later on, and you asked them, how are you doing, right? And they said, oh, man. I'm, I'm amazed. You, you know, I was in so much pain when I came in and had so much stuff inside of me, but you, you know, you, you did that surgery. You got it all out. I'm, I'm just, I, I, I feel so good and everything's so, so nice. You know what? 
man, that scalpel you were using, that was the most amazing scalpel I've ever seen in my entire life. So shiny, so sharp, made of steel. It's wonderful. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send some flowers and a card to that scalpel because I need to tell it how good it is. I'm going to tell everybody, if you ever need a surgery, make sure to get that scalpel. Dr. V, how would you be feeling at that moment? You'd be like, what? The scalpel didn't do nothing for you. It was the hand of the doctor. Hello, I should be getting the flowers. I should be getting the card, right? You should be telling people to get me to do the surgery. Why? Because the scalpel didn't do anything on its own. Are you listening? See, why do you stare at us? Why do you stare at the preacher? This church is not what it is because of Jim Colbray, Deborah Colbray, Dan Roth, Jessica Roth, because of Joel Alvarado or Joanna Alvarado or any of the other leaders here. This church is what it is because we are a tool in the hands of Almighty God who is the one who is the great physician. He is the healer. He is the builder of the church. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. He's the captain of our salvation. And when we stay on mission, church, God gets the glory. Come on, somebody glorify him right now. Somebody praise him right now. When we say on mission, miracles happen. God gets the glory. And final thing for us today is this, is that the world gets the message. When we stay on mission, the world gets the message. Helen Rosevere, who's a medical missionary to the Congo, uh, the Belgium Congo, which is now called Zaire, uh, left England in 1953 and served with the World Evangelization Crusade. She was the only doctor for around 200,000 people, probably more than that. And she was always on call for medical emergencies. Dr. V, I'm sure you felt that way at some times, but my goodness, wow. 200,000 people, one doctor. And in the midst of Helen's busy schedule, she started working on a hospital building and a training center, and she actually made the bricks out of the mud and put them in the kiln to be fired. Now, after the bricks were dried, the rough edges had to be sanded down, and one day as she was sanding, she noticed a wet surface on the bricks, and she realized that that wetness was her own blood. She cried out to the Lord in her frustration, Surely, Lord, there's got to be a man somewhere in England who could come and make these bricks. At that same time, a man came running up to Helen and told her there was an emergency at the dispensary. With her fingers still bleeding, Helen went to take care of the man. She entered the scrub room and began to take a wire brush and scrub her raw fingers. The pain made her more irate, and she began to yell at God in her spirit, Surely, Lord, there's got to be at least one man in all of England who could come and make these bricks for me. The attendant began to pour alcohol over her fingers, and the pain was excruciating. Then Helen put on her gloves and went and did what she had to do. Following the sur surgery, Helen went back out to begin working on the bricks. And while she was out there, one of the nationals approached her and began to talk with her. He said, Doc, we know that you love and care for us. When you enter the operating room wearing your mask and your gown and use your ability to heal the sick, you frighten us. But when you come out here and work with the rest of us and bleed the same as we do, we realize that you are one of us. It was after that that the Lord spoke to her. I didn't have you come here just to heal the sick, Helen. I brought you here to befriend these people in order that they may see me through you. When we stay on mission, church, the world gets the message. 
Acts chapter 4, the story goes on. I know we've been kind of contained to different chapters for a while now, but this story bleeds over into the next chapter. It's part of a much bigger story, and something else starts to take place. But we can see that as these two men, on the hour of prayer, went up to the temple to pray, and a miracle took place. God started getting the glory. Something happened that the world got the message. Acts chapter 4, verse number 4. Take a look at it with me. It says, However, many of those who heard the word believed... And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Anybody remember how many people Jesus fed with the five loaves and the two fishes? 5,000, right? We've been taught that that was just the men. That there was probably anywhere from 10,000 to 15,000 people because you had women and children, potentially more. Same thing here. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. There was probably women, probably children that heard this word, that repented, that turned to Jesus, that received that gift of the Holy Spirit, and the church started to explode at this point. My goodness, they're adding tens of thousands of people to the church of Almighty God. Church, when we stay on mission, miracles happen. When we stay on mission, God gets the glory, and when we stay on mission, the world will get the message that they desperately need for a lost and dying generation. They need the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if I were to add a fourth one to today's message, it would be that when we stay on mission, the devil gets mad. But that's a message for next week in Acts chapter number four. Come on, if you got something from the word of the Lord today, give God a great big praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.